Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Hey there, I'm Kyle Trigstad, politics editor for Bloomberg Government. And I'm Greg Giroux, senior elections reporter for Bloomberg Government. Check out our podcast, Down Ballot Counts. Each week, Greg and I will be breaking down all of those down ballot elections that make up the fight for the U.S. Congress. Listen and subscribe to Down Ballot Counts from Bloomberg Government wherever you get your podcasts. On this episode of Parse Per Billion, we go back to the 90s and talk about why a European energy treaty from the era of Nirvana and Pearl Jam is having some major unintended consequences today. Hello and welcome back once again to Parse Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. Hey, do you guys remember 1991? I sort of do. I was eight years old around that time, so I wasn't paying much attention to much of anything. But back then, this was on the radio. This was in movie theaters. Hasta la vista, baby. And this guy was winning his first of many NBA titles. Oh, a spectacular by Michael Short. And beyond all of that pop culture, 1991 was also the year this happened. Mikhail Gorbachev said it best today, just moments before he resigned his post as the last president of the Soviet Union. The collapse of the Soviet Union was a pretty big deal in ways that we're still almost 30 years later trying to figure out. But one of the most significant, or at least significant for the purposes of this podcast, is that it turned one really big country into 15 much smaller countries. And in the early 1990s, these 15 new countries, as well as the other former Warsaw Pact countries, needed to reboot their economies and fast. And they especially needed investment in their energy infrastructure, power plants, oil wells, pipelines, and on and on and on. That's how we got the Energy Charter Treaty, which is the topic of today's podcast. I spoke about this treaty with Stephen Gardner, a Bloomberg Law correspondent based in Brussels who covers the EU. He said the purpose of the treaty was to make it a little less scary for Western countries to invest in an energy project in a brand new country. What it does essentially is it sets minimum standards for the treatment of energy-related investment. So, in other words... Say, say a German energy company should be treated by those governments in, in a fair way as they would treat one of their homegrown uh, companies. So it's a kind of minimum standard uh, intended to create a level playing field. At the time, this was seen as a win-win for both sides of the recently shattered Iron Curtain. Western companies could develop energy projects in the East without the fear of having the rug pulled out from under them, 
and the new former Soviet countries were more than willing to live with the restrictions that the treaty imposed on them. So the treaty was uh, negotiated about 30 years ago now. The Soviet Union had just collapsed and it split into 15 countries in fact. And since then the landscape has, has changed completely. But in, back in those days there was a demand for investment in those countries and that investment essentially was going from west to east. It was essentially going from wealthy countries such as Germany or France or, or the Scandinavian countries to those much poorer countries of, of, of the east which also had very antiquated energy systems at the time. That's a really important point. The treaty was basically designed to make it easier for energy investment to flow across Europe from west to east. And initially, that's exactly what it did. But the world of 1991 is definitely not the world of 2020. European countries have very different energy priorities than they did back then, developing fossil fuel resources in former Soviet republics, and yet the Energy Charter Treaty hasn't really changed since then. The problem that's being highlighted now in, in some quarters um, by some lawmakers in the European Parliament, for example, and by some environmental groups, is that the treaty can be used to protect fossil fuel investments. Uh, and obviously we're in a situation now where in the European Union in particular, there's a move to very rapidly move away from fossil fuel infrastructure and fossil fuel energy supply towards renewables. And the treaty is being seen potentially as an obstacle to that. And some of the arbitration cases that have arisen give weight to that argument. There have been cases of fossil fuel companies essentially trying to stop governments from phasing out fossil fuels. So that's an outcome that the original signatories of the treaty probably couldn't have foreseen when they signed it in 1991. And we're going to get into what might be done about this in a minute. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. So just to reset the stage here, we've got a treaty from the early 1990s that was designed to prevent former Soviet republics from interfering in energy projects funded by foreign money. And this treaty is still on the books, but now it's being used in a very different way. And Stephen says, to make matters even more confusing, there's no provision in the treaty that says disputes have to be adjudicated in public. 
So that means that if an energy company sues a country for violating the treaty, we may not actually know about it. There's no obligation in the treaty for or the parties in a, in a dispute to make their dispute public. And there are no reporting obligations particularly. Uh, and obviously some of the countries that the treaty covers are not known for transparency um, or openness. So there could be many cases going on in those countries that no, nobody knows about. Maybe to give one example, there's a, a German company called Uniper, which is reported, I should say reportedly, suing the Dutch government because the Dutch government has taken a, uh, a decision to phase out coal from its power generation mix. Uniper is, is a, a German company which operates a coal-fired power plant in the Netherlands um, and is reportedly suing the Dutch government over this. I think it's important to point out the geographical irony here. The treaty was, again, written to protect Western energy companies from the whims of Eastern governments. But now we have a German company suing the Dutch government, so that lawsuit now is flowing from East to West. And there are many cases like this. To give another example, the Swedish company Vattenfall is suing the German government over Germany's nuclear close-down because Germany has taken the decision to close its nuclear plants by 2022. Um, Vattenfall is, is seeking some 5 billion euros in compensation. So what's the solution here? Environmental and climate change activists hold a lot of sway in the EU. Will they persuade lawmakers to take the Energy Charter Treaty and rip it up? Stephen says no. I, I think there's no chance of it being ripped up. <laughs> I think that's highly unlikely. But certainly the European Union wants a revision. However, any revision would have to be agreed unanimously by the parties to the treaty. Um, it's probably worth pointing out that the parties to the treaty are uh, the European Union, the countries of the European Union, um, most other European countries, the countries of Central Asia, um, such as Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, Mongolia, um, also Japan and Australia are parties. So it's quite a, a diversity of countries with different interests in terms of energy. For, for example, Australia is a big coal exporter. Getting all of those countries into the same room would be a major undertaking, let alone getting them to agree to shred a 30-year-old treaty. But Stephen also says even the climate hawks in Europe may not want to see this treaty go by the wayside. He says the treaty also provides the renewable energy sector with some surprising benefits. The European Union is also taking the view that the treaty, the treaty doesn't need to be trashed because it also protects renewable energy investment. And uh, in fact, the Charter Secretariat pointed out to me that about 60% of the cases brought under, or, or of the publicly known cases, listed cases, brought under the treaty actually concern renewable energy. Um, there are a whole host of cases relating to Spain, because a few years ago Spain introduced um, a guaranteed price for energy from renewable sources, encouraging a lot of investment into renewables, and then it changed the price. Um, dramatically lowering the price, um, taking away the uh, incentive for investment. So there a whole host of cases um, were brought or have been brought and are still ongoing. So basically, the goal now for many environmentalists in Europe is not to get rid of the Energy Charter Treaty, but just to make it a little bit smaller. It's not necessarily the case that 
the view is that the treaty should be scrapped, but it, that it should be somehow ring-fenced so that fossil fuel investment is no longer protected. But this is seen as a very, very difficult thing to achieve because of the different interests of the parties involved. And we'll actually find out exactly how difficult this will be next week when negotiations over the future of this treaty are scheduled to formally kick off. Well, that's it for today's episode of Parts Per Billion. If you want more environmental news, check us out on Twitter. We use a pretty easy to remember handle. It's at environment. Just that, at environment. I'm at David B. Schultz if you want to tell me your deepest, darkest secrets. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself with Josh Block. Special assistance on this episode came from Anna Yukonanov. Parts Per Billion was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. The music for today's episode is A Message by Jazar and Smoking Monkey by Tom Hillock and Nicholas Boscovich. They were used under a Creative Commons license. Thank you for listening, everyone. And don't forget to vote. Office-based startup WeWork has officially postponed a plan to go public. WeWork is having trouble finding investor demand at one-third of the $47 billion price tag. The real concern is Adam Newman, the CEO. Everything is on him. His performance will determine this. What went wrong? We'll take you inside the company with interviews from people who helped build WeWork and exclusive tapes of internal meetings where Adam talks to his employees in ways he'd never speak in public. None of us want to look back and say, I could have done more. This could have been bigger. This could have been better. That's not acceptable. You do not get a chance like this again. None of us do. This is a new podcast from Bloomberg Technology called Foundering. Check us out. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.